Welcome to the Sarah Centrella Show. Join best-selling author, master life coach, and manifesting expert Sarah Centrella as she shares tips, tools, and inspiring interviews to help you create your dream life. It's time to hustle and thrive. Now, here's your host, Sarah Centrella. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Sarah Centrella show. Um, and today I am, I'm really looking forward to this conversation and introducing all of you to my guest um, because our paths just recently crossed a couple weeks ago. Um, and I love when I meet uh, women, especially women in my area, which almost never happens because pretty much everyone I work with is, is outside the Portland area. Um, who are doing brave things, who are doing things to empower other women, who are following their dream, who are just making shit happen. I'm so about all of those things. Um, and when I met you, Sammy, that was really uh, what struck me about you is that you, you know, are, are putting your vision out there into the world and really um, trying to curate and create things that do in, truly empower women and give them skills um, to create a better life. So everybody, welcome to the show, Sammy. Sammy, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. It's been a pleasure to meet you too. I mean, just reading your backstory and having that resonate with me a little bit um, just made me feel even more inclined to to reach out and to network together because if we can find that like significance with one another. I think that it helps us to align because it's not that easy to align with people that don't or have not experienced emotional content on the same level as you. Yeah. Right. So it's so much easier to have a more expansive relationship with someone if you share a similar depth. Right. And and so women, especially who are trying to move their lives forward and, and consciously putting in the effort to better themselves on a daily basis. I mean, for me, this journey is a daily journey for me. There's ups, there's downs, there's good days, there's bad days, but, um, it's a conscious thing. Every single morning when I like wake up and open my eyes, it's a conscious thing. How am I going to, you know, get better at one little thing or get closer to my dream or practice better or shorten a life cycle to, to get what, you know, where I'm going every day. It's conscious, you know, conscious living. And I don't think that, um, you know, it's, it's kind of rare to connect with people like that. So it is, it is. And, um, not to hate on my city that I've always been in, but I seem to have struggled to find it's very relativity. (laughs) I've struggled to find that relativity late. I mean, pretty much for as long as I can remember, actually, to have people around that are in that like for that forward persevering movement in their life, you know, that and I want to share that wave transference with other people. I want to have coherence in my life. And so a lot of the stagnancy that I have experienced in my life has been due to like settling for having relationships with people that were not on that conscious level with me. And, and I just had to really learn how to unsubscribe from that, right? Where it, learn how to stop calling everybody your friend and learn how to call them your classmate, your acquaintance, your, um, your neighbor, your, you know, giving them the correct labels right, right. <laughs> instead of calling them your friend is going to help you to identify what your real circle is. And yeah. it took me a long time to really know how to do that. I love that. Um, and one of the reasons why, well, the reason why we connected, um, was because you're hosting a, a great event, you're hosting a retreat. Um, and when I learned a little bit more about you, I was like, Oh, I really want you on this show because I'm anybody who listens to this show or knows anything about me knows I'm really kind of obsessed with the backstory. <laughs> um, yeah. I just, I am, I don't know if it's the writer in me or what it is, but, um, also I got that experience kind of writing hustle, believe, received my first book, which was really about learning people's backstory, because one of the things that always has annoyed the hell out of me is that, um, 
all, a lot of times all we ever see is kind of the finished product with people mm-hmm. or, or we see like where they're at and, and then we feel like shit. Cause we're like, we're not there yet. And it must be much <laughs> better to be them than it is us and all that. Um, and so I'm always really fascinated about like, can we rip that off and look inside and see what the hell's really going on? Because I feel like that's how people grow and that's how people kind of understand, Oh, I'm, I'm literally not alone. If I'm feeling, um, terrified to do this next thing, or if I feel like I'm doing it and I'm not successful at it or, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. And I think that's, it's, I feel like that's especially important if you're, if you're working in coaching, if you're working in some type of healing atmosphere or holistic atmosphere that you, you need, people need to be able to see that emotional content, right? If there's not a substance that's provided that kind of creates relativity, it's hard for people to, to feel like they can achieve what you are. They want to be you. Like if you're, if you're shining a light, like you're, you're naturally going to have people gravitating towards you, that there's something that's there that they want to either to mimic, to mirror. Um, but how do I get there? People often ask themselves or they, instead of looking at you inspirationally, they're looking at you feeling bad about themselves because they're not achieving at the level that you're achieving at. And that's just through this external lens, like this external observation, not really knowing the individual that they're looking at and that they're idolizing. Right. And it takes me back to one thing my first life coach ever said to me, which was stop idolizing people. Like if you, you know, if you looked at Tony Robbins, like he's a God, you're never going to meet Tony Robbins. Yeah. Right. You're never going to be able to come past this limitation that you think that this person is higher than you and holier than you. And so you can, they're unreachable. They're unattainable. They're untouchable. That's not the truth. They're humans. Like we are, they just live in another parallel that they have created. And that person more times than not has come from the trenches of this planet. Like they have come from the trenches of this experience. And you have to take that initiative as somebody who's wanting to learn to realize that that humble human was yeah. humbled some way, right? Right. We all started not- there. And so let's start there because, um, you know, like I said, now you're, you're hosting events. You have this great retreat coming up, um, in June that I'm, I'm doing a live workshop at. I'm so excited because it's the first, uh, one that I've done in person since January of last year. So I'm very, very <laughs> so exciting to this. Um, and you know, I love that. I love that like I said, you're, you're putting things on, you're doing events, you have a yoga background. Um, but before all of that, which is, you know, your, your passion and probably your business now, and, um, all the things that people who are maybe just following you are learning about you, right. And they're like, Oh, that's so cool. I want to do that. I'd love to do retreats. I would love to, you know, be an instructor, whatever. Um, where did all of this start for you? Can you tell us a little bit about, um, your, your, backstory, your, you know, kind of what you've been through in uh, your life to get where you're at right now. Yes. So the, you know, where I am now is, is that I'm just really trying to live this spectacular life, this life that's full of vitality and adventure. And I just, I just want to be the big fish. And (laughs) the reason for that is I lived a big life and that big life I used to, to, to sit in sorrow under because it was so challenging and so complicating and just unbelievable, you know, and that's where I get that. I, I relate to the big fish, the story of the big, you know, the big fish story that I'm going to be one of those grandmothers that's sitting on the porch telling all these crazy stories and no one's going to believe it's true, but it really happened. You know, So, and I lived this big life and it was, it was so um, daunting to me for the longest time, but now I'm looking back at it like, wow, I, I have lived this big life. And I feel different about it. I feel this sense of like superbity inside of my body that says, you cannot live small. (laughs) Like you were given this big, huge set of challenges. And there's a reason for that. And so, um, you know, everything that I'm about to tell you is just obviously what has encompassed what I'm doing now, but I have come, you know, as far back as I can remember three years old, maybe younger, even than three, um, having traumatizing experiences and having chronic illness. I think when I was three years old is when I remember 
my chronic illnesses beginning in my life that wow. would have lasted until I was 33. Wow. And, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I was a child who experienced sexual trauma, sexual abuse, um, you know, from, from own relatives, which that in itself, like causes a lot of issues for anybody. Sure. Uh, because that's supposed Sorry. to be the safest, yeah. safest and most protected areas in your life are immediately damaged and harmed. Um, right. and then, and then after that, I, I kind of went through this back and forth between my parents. And then I went straight into the foster care. Or I went straight to living with my auntie who, um, just has had been a phenomenal woman for me growing up. Uh, she took me and my other siblings and there was four of us and she was also a foster parent of her own of disabled people so she had a lot on her plate (laughs) but she did what she could she did anything that she could to make sure that I was taken care of and they were Hare Krishna um so I fortunately got to have my first spiritual experience be in the Hindu culture which was I think something that enlightened me pretty much immediately Mm -hmm. in my life Um, And it's carried with me as this huge blessing always throughout my life, having that as my rooted, you know, I can imagine structure. Yeah. But then after, after I left her house, I just ended up in the foster care system and moved around from space to space to space and family to family. And back then they didn't have any clause that protected kids from being exposed to spiritual structures. And so any place that you lived, you were pretty much forced to, to be aligned with their culture and their religious structure. And it didn't matter if it was abusive. I actually experienced a lot more abuse in foster care than I did with my own parents. Wow! And that so, was yeah. a shared experience for my siblings as well. They also experienced that. I did. I can't say that about all of them. And I do have to make sure I state that there were some really phenomenal people that we had ended up with. And I still see them to this day I still call them my family but you know just it was just very traumatic you know one day I'm a Christian the next day I'm a Catholic the next Uh day I'm a Mormon (laughs) the next day I'm traumatic right it's very traumatic and it's also confusing I was gonna say it shakes your faith right because faith is such a personal thing and a personal connection so if all of it is is like it's your connection to the source of who you are it's it's connection to how you know your what your existence is and not just in the core like with your innate intelligence but with our principles and value systems of knowing like what's right and wrong and then if you have spiritual abuse or if you have emotional sexual or physical abuse that's involved with that spiritual family it just becomes this big a bigger attachment to you. Yeah. And and something that was comforting probably and felt safe, which faith can and, and belief can, right. Then to have it probably, you know, the, the one thing about a lot of organized religions is they don't necessarily support each other. So you could really kind of go through this, you know, nope, whatever you just were practicing is totally wrong. Not even just like, Hey, let's practice mine. (laughs) We're like, you got to completely wipe that out and then do this one. So I can, I could only imagine kind of how confusing that would be for a child, especially one very, very drawn to spirituality and, and just having it kind of ripped away and then supplanted and ripped away and supplanted. Yeah. And then we lived in this one home, all of us together, but we never saw each other, um, outside of church. We lived on a Mormon count compound in Corbett, Oregon. And our house was like segregated. So we did not see, I did not see my brothers unless we were on the bus or if we were at school or if we were at church and it was very odd, (laughs) but there was a lot of, uh, physical discipline and, um, physical punishment in that household and spirituality was always used in their discipline and their punishment. So that's the very, the the most prominent time where I, I can remember starting to question religion and starting to question God and thinking that this can't be real. Like, sure. Yeah. The same way. God God cannot be real. Yeah. God (laughs) wants me to beat you because you're bad. God, God told me I had to beat you, you know? Yeah. Yes. So 
Um, you know, and I could get into more detail with it, but I won't because it will make me shake in my boots. But like, it's just that some of the things just would sound so unbelievable if I really just got into it. Um, but that's another topic. So, and then so switching from that, and then I think it was about 10 when I went back to my biological mother and just went right back into, you know, this whole other aspect where all of a sudden you're back together with all of your siblings that you don't really know because you didn't get to bond with each other because you were separated through foster care for years and years. So there was like fighting and conflict. And my mom's, my mom's losing her shit. She's losing her mind. She does not know how to do this. She does not know. She was so young and she had these four kids. She didn't get to bond with either because we were taken. Um, it, it was just such so much. Right. And And so I'm sitting here, I'm this 10 year old girl and typically your cognitive brain does not develop until you're like in your late teens. No, when you're a 10 year old that has suffered or gone through so much trauma, your emotional development kicks your brain on a different way. All those things fire in your brain a different way. And suddenly things are blown the fuck open for you. Like your perception of the world is so different than anyone next to you as a 10 year old. I can't even recall playing with Barbie dolls. Like right. I did it, not do that. Kind has of to stuff. grow up. I mean, everything has to grow up so much faster than any other child. Yes. So I, I, I was very unimaginative as a child. I was, but I was also very much channeled into this other space of creativity where I was very poetic. I was very artistic. I was always writing writing, 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 writing. I learned how to communicate through writing because I wasn't able to talk in a lot of the situations I was in, or I was very voiceless. And that taught me how to write, which like has benefit, has carried that get became this big gift in my life that was able to carry me through so many things. And how can I, at that young age, like see that glory? Right. Like that's not something that people often pick up on right away or maybe never. So I started noticing these little things about myself that I was able to find relativity to this high watch. And instead of being in this sorrowful place, and I would notice that more and more and more, especially as I looked at my siblings where they would go the other route where it would be like, I'm going to let darkness become me. I'm going to let these things eat me alive. I'm going to follow this path and go the same direction. So it was nice to have that really quickly. But another thing had happened is that all that trauma and all that stress, it just perpetuated that those illnesses that I was experiencing as a child as well. So I kind of ended up growing up with these chronic illnesses that were kind of undiagnosed, like just always not knowing what's wrong with her. We don't know why she's sick. We don't know why this is going on with her. I'd have chronic strep throat, chronic bronchitis, chronic um, uh, lethargy, uh, lymphatic system problems, always having swollen glands, pale face, black eyes, um, malnutrition. Your body really, really processing probably all of the trauma in a very- Yeah, bladder infections, kidney infections. I was in the hospital a lot with these issues and- and always on antibiotics. I was on antibiotics probably from, I don't know, I think six years old when I started having really bad ear infections, six years old until mid twenties. Wow. I was on antibiotics like all the way through. Yeah. The doctors or whoever is around you caring for you is like, Oh, let's do the most, the easiest thing that we can think of. Let's just the easiest thing. And when, and when I was younger, nobody talked about the microbiome, right? That was not a discussion to take care of your body. And then, no. you, you know, holistic health was on a discussion. Right. It was still woo woo, hippy dippy shit that nobody wanted to listen to. Right. Right. right? It was the eighties and nineties, two thousands. Like nobody cared about holistic health Yeah, and nobody even knew what the term microbiome was. I mean, I'm sure scientists did, but it was, it was just 
brand new information. Yeah, there, there were no probiotics back in the day. <laughs> there was not. So there was nothing no, to, I mean, I feel like Activia, and this is going to be really embarrassing, but I feel like they broke, you know, they, they made it mainstream. Like that was the first probably time anybody. In the well, you can just hear the little, sound, the little song in your head, you know, right? so thanks Activia <laughs> for getting to... us all on the train of, at least yes, thank you, Activia. Is. You can sponsor this later. <laughs> right. <laughs> So you, um, so, but then I also, um, by the time I was 16, I, be, I was like a full on alcoholic. I immediately, like all this just transpired into, okay, I am identifying myself and trauma bonding with other people. And all my peers became these trauma bonds. They became my little allies in hating my life and hating my parents and hating my upbringing and, uh, people who were seekers to defy faith. Like, fuck God and fuck the world and, you know, everything in life sucks and let's go get fucked up. Let's party. We're ruthless, savage heathens. Like we can do right. anything. We're so powerful. Rawr, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Taking <laughs> out just, all of that trauma in ways that are destructive. Right. Which yeah, is, all destructive I think conflict. most humans do if they don't know what else to do, you know, because most people don't have the skill set to understand that there's other options, there's other choices, there's other ways. And, you know, so I think a lot of people, especially I, well, had a at that point in my life, I didn't know anything other than destruction. That's all right. I was ever taught. Yeah, I was taught that by example, I was taught that by example with parents that did not care to, to do anything different with their lives. Um, and that, you know, as kids were not ever important enough to change their lives for. And then also taught that through the abuse from home, but also in the foster care and the spiritual system and every other aspect, I was taught a hell of a lot about destructiveness, Right, right. <laughs> a hell of a lot about destructive conflict and not knowing how to emotionally develop and not knowing how to deal with my emotions. I did not know anything about emotional regulation, nothing. And, and, and I started to have anxiety and panic attacks and all of these like overwhelming energetic issues on top of everything else that I was experiencing. Of course, why wouldn't I Right, right. Yeah, at this nice. point in my life? And then at, at 16 years old, I'm, I'm moved out of the house. I'm on my own. I'm living in downtown Portland. I'm working full time. I'm living in a studio apartment with some friends that um, were already adults, but knew my life. And, and I started renting from them and I worked at McDonald's full time and I was getting my GED at 16 years old. I had gone to the judge and I was like, you know what? There's nobody taking care of me. I'm taking care of wow. myself. Can you please sign this off so I can work full time? Cause back then, oh. yeah, you couldn't, if you're you couldn't work, um, more than I think like 15 hours a week, if you were underage because of labor laws. Right. But so I'd had to go in there and be like, you know what? I'm taking care of myself. I can't take care of myself because nobody will hire me. Like, <laughs> and I, and I, I got it approved and I worked full time down there and I got my GED and, and, and so I was this functional young adult with a really fucked up head, fucked up body. I was sick every day and I was getting drunk. I was using a lot of psychedelics. Um, <laughs> which I'm not going to say was so bad <laughs> as per Oregon. I mean, you know, we, <laughs> this is a normal thing in Oregon. For Listen, I, I, in Oregon. <laughs> I, I truly believe that those were a turning point for me in yeah. my life because yeah. it was able to take me to another perspective of what I was experiencing. Yeah. And it did kind of blow my mind open in another way. I mean, it was already blown wide the fuck open, but when it, something's able to let the light pour in. Yeah. And sometimes it's something like psilocybin that's going to do that for mm -hmm. us. And, it's and, and it's actually been, I just watched something. I feel like I can't remember if it was Oprah's new show that she just did with Harry, but I just watched something where the, um, it's used to treat trauma and it's one of the best, um, and guys, whatever. I personally, I can't speak from experience, but it, um, it just was very, very interesting in how something kind of <laughs> um, with a natural background can really help to treat trauma and yes. release a lot of, you know, that really push down deep trauma. So that, that is interesting. Well, you know, I had been in years of therapy before that 
and it never worked for me. Like sometimes that clinical setting, that institutionalized clinical setting is actually far worse for someone than what they're experiencing mentally. And that's why a lot of people shy away from getting treatment or getting therapy there because it doesn't feel therapeutic. It feels like it makes you feel more crazy. Yeah. And I, I do just want to say if, and I don't know if you've seen this yet, Sammy or not, but I did just binge the, um, the Oprah show it's called the me you can't see, and it's on Apple TV and it's with um, Prince Harry and it's all about mental health. And I think one of the episodes is specifically following the story of two men who, um, use that as therapy as they tried everything else and nothing else was working. But for anyone who can, can relate. And I know lots of us can, especially after going through a year, like we all just went through. Um, I think all of us have an understanding of how much more maybe vulnerable and even fragile our, our minds are right. And our, um, ability to process things. And especially for someone like both you and I, who've been through traumatic childhoods, mine was really traumatic. I relate to a lot of things you've been talking about. Um, you know, I think it's, it's, we have to be aware, right? We have to um, yeah. have that awareness that, um, and try and get rid of some of the stigmas that are out there. I mean, I grew up with a bipolar mother. That was not something I could have ever said casually. Like I just said, no. um, unless you understand ago. it, right. Yeah, unless you've been through ago. it, I get it. <laughs> yeah. It was one of those things like you don't tell anybody, you know, and, and there was a lot of stigma and a lot of shame and everyone kind of looked at you like, are you next? <laughs> you know, like, okay, right. you must be too, if you know, all that kind of stuff. So I just want to kind of pause for a second and, and, just say, like, if you're not, if you don't understand mental health and if you, um, have struggled with it, like get, there's so many various ways to get help and, and be able to, there's so many resources. And and if going to a clinical setting works for you, it works for you. Go after it. Don't let anybody say you not to, but if the clinical setting doesn't work for you, know that there are so many resources for people to advocate for you, for people to be there for you. Um, there's so many options out there, you know? So, and so for me, like a lot of times, like you don't realize that the environment that you are in is not normal, right? You, because it's your normal, it's what you were grown up with. It's a lot of mental health issues are actually just a perpetuation of somebody's behavior that was taught to you. And it may not be a clinical mental health disease. It's that your brain was wired that way. It's neuroscience. Your neuroplastic brain was developed by the behaviors that you mirrored as a child. We have mirroring neurons when we are a child and our brain is developing, and that's how we pick things up. That information starts to be that the way that our brain fires and how we input and output information. And that is something that takes years of practice to develop. Like we go through years and years and years of our brain practicing these, these uh, same systematic processes. And, and then we have these feedback loops that happen in our limbic system that continue to perpetuate that information over and over and over again. And if we continue the same behaviors, the same cycles, we're still around the same environment. We're putting ourselves around the same people. We're always going to marry our, you know, our, if not always, but a lot of times we'll even marry our childhood. I, I did that with my husband, my right. ex-husband. Many people do, yeah. And, you just continue that same cycle until one day oh, you're just no, like, wow, like what happened? And yeah. for me, that moment was when I um, decided that, okay, I finished my GED. I don't like working at these type of jobs or I don't like being a stay at home mom. Like I'm in an environment where me and my ex-husband are both alcoholics, you know, where our life is not great and I don't like it. I started to feel really heavily that I'm like, I'm shaking all the time. I'm having panic attacks all the time. Like something is not right. I cannot live the rest of my life like this. This is exhausting. Like this cannot be how the rest of the world functions. So then I go back to college. My first year of college is when I really was like, okay, you're right, Sammy. There is something wrong about your life. No one else is doing this that you know at school. They're not talking like you. They're not acting like you. They're not talking about their life the way you talk about it okay you have to reflect on something and then the more I did that the more it was like I had demons clawing to pull me down into the realm that I was in before and the more dark my environment appeared to me it was like the more I moved towards 
fixing myself, raising my vibration, increasing my frequency, like fixing my energy, the more I would see clearly the dark that I was living in. Right. And the contrast and I just, there. the contrast there. And then the other thing is, is that the, when you're experiencing emotional depth like that, like when you're in those toxic environments, that's like a drug literally your brain reacts to it the same way it reacts to addiction and your brain wants more and more and more of it. And that also has to do with your neuroplastic system. So if you start doing something different, neuroplasticity, you start to change the way your brain responds to these things. And then the more that you do it, the more the brain wants to go in the other direction of the new thing that you're doing. And that's the same way if like, you want to call it light pouring in, or if you want to call it positive energy pouring in, it's, it's all the same thing, but it's our thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I, yeah. So you you start to to rewire the brain. You're starting to experience a whole different type of substance that you, your body hasn't experienced before. And it's like, you know what? I want more of that. I really want more of that. I, I have my toes in right now, but I really want to feel what it feels like to be completely immersed in that. So, you know what I did? I got divorced and I left that life. And right after I left that life, guess what? I fucking met another guy and got right back into that life. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. But this and time established who you were going to be yet. Right. And so we're right. when we're in that. Because way. I still didn't realize that there was this whole person, an other person inside of Sammy that Sammy doesn't know because Sammy is a product of this environment that she was raised up in. I'm a product of all this trauma and emotional, um, emotional noise other people's voices, other people's values, opinions, principles, none of that that was mine that I created on my own. It was all what was fed to me while I was growing up. So, you know, I still didn't do that part. And so I relived the cycle. And then after that, it was enough for me to say no more relationships. I took, I started educating myself on relationships. This is when I first started diving into self-help is when I was like, okay, what I just experienced with some pretty, this time around with this person ended up being really severe domestic abuse, very severe. Like I, they, I had to put them in prison. It was really bad. Oh that God. was a big wake up call for me because yeah, that's how my, you're like, the cycle is repeating itself. I have to do something. It was how my mother grew up. It's how I grew up with my parents. Like, yeah. and it's how I grew up with, with foster care. Like that's how I was treated. But I somehow got this like beautiful gift inside that allowed me to say, Hey, that's That's not cool. Like, that's not okay. No. And you can never, ever, ever do that again. You can never, ever be in this situation ever, ever again. Right. And, and I never was ever again. Amazing. That's amazing. It's a lot of strength when it, when it's something you have not seen, um, by example, And, you know, maybe you didn't even know anybody who had stood up for themselves in that. I didn't of a way, you know, it's a very brave thing to do when you don't have it as an example. I did not have that matter what it is ever. There's not one person in that was in my environment that showed me something different. And so it, and it wasn't like, I just woke up and was like, oh, I'm that's never going to happen again. No, it took years of me deciding that. I'm going to say no to myself on every level right now so that I can put myself in a cave <laughs> of developing, developing myself. Like, and, and that's when I started to become strict on who I was going to be. Like, I really was like, you know what? I'm a big person. Like I want to be something better. And as deni- as dynamic as that moment was, I look back and I, from where I am now and still, I was so so undeveloped. Yeah. At that no, stage. I did the same thing. I was like, you know what? I need a big time out. I, yeah. <laughs> I, am, I am off the market. I am focusing on me. I'm focusing yes. on what I want, where I want to go, my kids, whatever. And, you know, I think, especially if you've been, lots of women have been through divorce, right. Or are going through those stages and, um, man, it takes a while, ladies, it takes a while to get on your feet and decide who you are independent of all of that stuff. Yeah. All of our backstory, all at the this point, you know, at this point, I was time. like 20, 
I think. And I already had five kids. So my previous marriage had two daughters when we started dating each other. And then when we married, they actually were living with us. So I was 18, I think when they were living with us full time. And then I had my son at 19 and then we separated. And then I had two more with the the next guy. And so then I'm sitting here and I'm 24 years old and I've got five kids and I'm on my own and, um, still going back and forth, struggling with drinking. Still going back and forth with struggling with I'm 24 years old. I want to live my life and be with my friends. And it's hard to be, I was still a good mom. I was so devoted to my kids, like so devoted to being a mother. I was functional, but I was dealing with a lot of trauma and pain and darkness with myself. And, and then when I was in 2012, I actually got in a really bad car accident. Um, and that was like this precipice in my life because I, I nearly lost my life there rolled my expedition three times and in the middle of the night and I I walked away from it and I was like, wow, like, you know, God is here. Like there, what else could have gifted me so many, so many, and that's just one thing, like so many incidences in my life that, that were like that car accident, like these huge things that could have just taken me from this world. Like you never know when it's going to take you, but it didn't. Yeah. And so, and so I'm like, there is a reason why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's like, a reason. I have a purpose. What is it? I have a purpose. So let's talk about that. Let, let's talk about how so the purpose, so purpose was purpose. like, okay, now I had to figure out how to find these steps to transform my life. You know, the steps to transformation for me were I had to isolate myself. I no longer could associate myself with anybody that I knew. I no longer could associate myself with the attachment of all the stories of what made me who I was. I had to detach and and come into dissolution, not only with my marriage, but with my past, with my parents, with my siblings, with friends that I kept every person in my life. I fucking walked away from took my kids and I moved out to Clackamas and stayed in a more rural, rural setting. And I spent year, like six years living unconventionally, no microwave, no television. I had a record player. I raised my kids, um, on cook. I showed them how to cook on a fire, how to cook on a wood stove. We grew our own food. Um, I taught my daughters how to make jam on the back, you know, deck. Like it was beautiful. But I also spent that time doing a hell of a lot of self work and reading book after book and hiring life coaches and learning other perspectives and having somebody available to me to say every time I need to talk to someone repeatedly unsubscribe from the fine opinion of others, unsubscribe from the voices in your head, unsubscribe from the attachments to your stories, unsubscribe to this and this and this, like repeatedly telling myself that every single day of my life so that I could think something differently so that I might have that single moment one day that says, you got it. Yeah. And you can change it and you have control over it and you have power over everything. And then you have this infinite resource of energy and power that belongs to you and only you and no one else is that voice anymore. And so I had to go through these steps, identification, which is you need to identify and really know all the things that are disturbing you in Mm -hmm. order to, to get rid of them. Take inventory. Yep. Take Take inventory. And you also need to find acceptance of them because if you can't come to them with a place of love, you're always going to be fighting a war inside of your own body. And that is not going to help you be successful in life your body, your experiences, your internal dialogue, all of that is going to be who you are till the day you die. It's going to be, you have to live with it. You have to (laughs) co-inhabit with these parts of you. So you need to come to, once you know what they are, you need to come to them with acceptance and love them. Yeah. Not hate it. Don't, you cannot self indulge in this self-destructive behavior with yourself. Like, ah, who wants to fight yourself? You're going round and round and round all day long part of you is every like, day change but you're just you're you're hamster. 24 hours is like suddenly 666 years you know <laughs> yeah yeah what were some of the so, other things that you did to change um, um in, internal life? and int- internal and intrinsic motivation no longer being externally powered by anything you know your well your internal wellness is always going to be dependent upon what you decide to do when you wake up and what you decide to do when you fall asleep so how you decide to get from morning to night is internal motivation that is all something that you get to decide. And then afflictions, 
learning what affliction is, um, learning how you're doing that to yourself and learning how you're doing that to other people helps you to change all types of emotional processes and how to regulate your emotions and also how to become more emotionally mature. Um, and then the biggest thing, learning how to observe rather than absorb, right? Like being somebody that goes through so much, you become relatable to every single person that, you know, (laughs) true story. Literally. (laughs) I think I I, I don't think I've ever met a person that I'm like, yep. Been through part of that (laughs) thing, but I've been through part. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. And then you're sitting here trying to explain to people, um, honey, there is a difference between empathy and being empathic. Right. There's two different things. I don't need to take it on. I don't need to live in your pain. I don't need to like soak it all in. You don't, you don't be here. And there's a book that you could read. that's called power versus force that actually does really help a lot with creating energetic shields and not allowing yourself to absorb all of that. Actually, one of my old massage therapists, Katie, put me, put that book on me and it was really great. And then also realizing that through your life, you always think that you're having this process of discovery because you're experiencing new things all the time, but you're actually not. If you look at neuroscience, it actually proves that we're not really discovering anything new. We're doing the same thing repeatedly every single day of our life. We also experience and get to sit with the same millions of thoughts every day of our life. So we actually are in the process of recovery and our body is trying, our, our higher self, our higher identification is trying to tell us to remember who we are on the most innate level. Like when were you your purest form? Like if you're going to try to change your life, I want you to sit down with yourself and try to remember a time where you remember yourself untouched and start from there. And for me, that was four years old. And so every time I remember who I, or I need to remember who I am. I hear this little chime in my head and I smell Nag Champa. And that takes me back to being in the ashram with my auntie. And that's when I remember being my purest, cleanest and whole self untouched from all that damage. And that gives me this foundation to work from all the time. And anybody can do this. It's a meditation practice of taking yourself to where the last time you felt whole and serene, Right. For some people, they might not ever remember that because they have had really hard lives. And yeah. it took, it can, I did too, but it took everything in me. It took five years for me to find that moment, to remember right. that moment. Right. And then, and then reclaim your life. So you go through these, this, I have a six step process here. It's spiritual wellness. So going through your spiritual, um, uh, what do you call that? Like awakening or your, you know, your connection, finding well, your spiritual inventory. Yeah. Just trying to redefine your values and principles, you know, dissolving from what you think you've learned from others and really trying to figure out what your pure values and principles are so that you can align yourself. And then you'll know better what you can approach spiritually. And we all need to have a little faith period. We just need to, um, and it needs to be healthy. Our spiritual relationship needs to be healthy. Then we have emotional and mental development. So when you find spiritual wellness, like you need to have emotional and mental wellness as well. So getting into emotional and mental development is really good. Um, Finding emotional regulation practices is the most helpful. Meditation, right? Meditation. Um, Because meditation allows you to observe your process. Right. It allows you to and see like, you wow, to regulate, to self-regulate. Like you, you start having a downward spiral in your mind and suddenly you're sitting there observing it happening instead of being a part of it. And, right. and meditation really helps with that. Um, <laughs> identifying your sexual behavior mm-hmm. and yep. knowing if it's something healthy or not, because I guarantee you a lot of times it is not, especially for right. people that have gone through traumatic experiences in their life. Your sexual behavior uh, tends to become based on trauma, right? And then changing that, that negative sexual behavior into sexual wellness, because sex is good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then quantum healing, um, quantum healing. This is something that has saved my entire life. You know, I went through this chronic illness until I was 33 years old and until one day I got it one day I woke up and I, it just clicked in my brain and I got it and I am not sick anymore. Like it, (laughs) I am about to do a video where I'm going to dump all of the things that I've hung on to just in case I came back, you know, just in case all those things came back. Um, 
So if you, yeah, it's amazing. It's, you know, it comes down to the, the power that we have to heal our physical body, to Mm -hmm. heal our mind, to heal our emotion. Um, the power of belief is and to move through terrible things. Like we do have so much more power than I think a lot of times we give ourselves credit for it. Um, I think it's, it's amazing that you, without having really any examples of other people doing it, um, really took the time and valued yourself enough to to take that time and to step away and to figure it out. And then to get the knowledge from all the different resources and figure out what worked for you. So can you tell us a little bit about like how that led to um, where you're at right now, where you're, you know, sharing that, where you're doing the retreats, where you're bringing women together and, um, you know, like-mindedness. I love that. Also, you know, growth and opportunity to learn. I'm always trying to find, um, you know, new ways to feed my brain and to relax. Yep. It's like that 50, 50 combo, right? I yeah. Because we're it. always trying to find joy, but, but we're also always trying to find homeostasis. It's our natural process for our brain and our body to want to be in a state of homeostasis, which is when your body is in its relaxed mode and it's, pretty cool. You know, it's just chilling out. Um, and so, so what gave you the idea for the retreats? Like, how did you, how did you, you know, I've tried a hundred different things that I was passionate about. I'm a very passionate person. I'm very ambitious. I always have been, it's because I'm so creative. Everything that I've gone through has transpired into this creative channel, um, which I didn't always have, but I started going to art school in college and, uh, it just, I mean, that was a huge precipice in itself, but it, it brought me to this whole other space. And, um, so I wanted to recognize that a lot of people that are, are seeking out in themselves a way to heal are a lot of people that end up in like retreat, like settings. There are a lot of people that end up in women's circles. There are a lot of people that end up seeking a life coach or seeking holistic care. And I want to to emphasis a space where we are not just doing hard work. Like we're human beings. We're innately designed to do what we are designed to do. And it doesn't always have to continuously be this hard job to fix us when we were designed to be a human. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so I wanted to create this space where people come to this retreat like setting. And so they're getting to experience joy on a different level than they think that they are worthy of, or that they think that they can attain. Um, and so it's like a vacation like a getaway, but you're also doing a lot of transformational work in the process. So the way that I have the, everything set up is that you're, while you're having fun doing something, you're also experiencing some type of real deep emotional content and then substance that's allowing you to have a transformational experience, whether it be a guest speaker with life coaching, like what you're coming on to do, um, uh, anything that's therapeutic, yeah. uh, you know, holistic health, holistic practitioners, yoga, meditation, moving your body, um, breathing, moving your body, yeah. breathing adventures. We're just, we're doing so kind of all much. Of yeah. Yes. Doing so much. And if the body experiences something in a joyful way, it's going to lock that information in and you're going to have a more sustained development from that right. versus if you just go to some retreat, that's all about, let's just do all the hard work. You're still going to leave thinking that you have to do all this hard work. Well, we need to change that a little bit. So if we have fun while we're doing something, it's going to stick with you hopefully for life. Yeah. I love I, I have been getting a lot of feedback from my previous guests that this is that, that my goal has been attained with that. It's been months and months since my last retreat and I'm still getting messages like, I'm still happy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm still practicing this. (laughs) Yeah. It's amazing because yeah, it's the difference between going, um, and sitting in a conference room for 10 hours straight and taking a billion notes and just feeling like you kind of just got hit by a truck, but you're also, you know, like have a lot to do and, and, um, versus almost like practically, I think what, what you're, you're doing, which I'm really excited for the workshop that I'm going to do there because way different than any time I've ever done this workshop live. And I'm really excited about that. Um, you're almost giving women an opportunity to live the thing they're learning about. Yes. 
which yeah, is so, really cool. It's very, so I've awesome. noticed that when you go to retreats, yes, it's this dynamic experience. You feel like you're touched for life, but then you go back to regular life and you have no idea how to integrate these ancestral practices that you've learned into your modern life. Right. How the hell do I be a mom? How the hell do I be a single mom of five kids on my own and get to practice all of this stuff that I just learned. Well, guess what? Now you're going to experience that. You're going to learn how to integrate it into your life and you're going to have a huge crew yeah, to yeah. take home with you because you part. get to meet all these <laughs> ladies. So all right, girl. So where can everyone find all that information, follow you, get your info, all that kind of good stuff. So you can follow me on my Instagram. It's at, um, Panthera underscore rising P A N T H E R A underscore rising. And then we have a homepage on Instagram that's revival events and retreats. Um, so all the information is going to be updated there, but on my Instagram or on Facebook or Sarah's Facebook and Instagram, you can find the retreat. The link is in our bio. It's from June 17th to 19th. It's a three day, two night retreat, um, where we're going to just be working on reconnection dreamscaping, actualizing our dreams in our life. Sarah has a phenomenal workshop she's bringing in for that weekend. I'm so excited, but yeah, um, yeah all, the, all the links in uh, the show notes. Um, so you can go grab your tickets and it's um, honestly priced so well. I was pretty shocked when yeah. I opened it up and saw yeah. how, how well it's priced. It's ridiculous. Honestly, you're getting a lot of value for that. Yes. Um, and it's small group y'all. And guess what? If you're vaccinated, you can come together. You're going to be okay. <laughs> we'll give you a hug. It's going to be fine. Yes. <laughs> and for those um, of you who aren't or are so worried, we are being COVID safe. Exactly. Um, we are following procedures. Everything's going to be okay. Setting, so it'll be yep. great. It'll be wonderful. Yes. Um, yes. And thank you so much for doing this. And I cannot wait to get a chance to meet you in person and, and all the ladies who will be there and share this um, really special experience with us. And thank you so much for sharing your story today. I know this is really the first big time that you've ever shared pretty much any of that backstory, yeah. <laughs> anyone in a, in a public yeah. way, um, which I just want to give you a lot of kudos for it. It takes a lot of bravery. It's a very scary thing to do. It feels like you just stepped out on a stage naked. Um, <laughs> if you're just waiting to be pummeled, which uh, I've totally done before, <laughs> but listen, it's, it's also really freeing. It is. There's something just so freeing about it. Um, yes. and I can yes. relate so much to, to yes. a lot of what you shared today. And I know many, many of our listeners can too. So we just have to give each other that. permission to be ourselves, you know, hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. Yes. Thank you, Sammy. And to everybody out there, get out there and hustle and thrive, baby. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you got value from today's show, please spread the love by clicking subscribe, leaving a stellar review, and telling everyone you know. And join us next time on The Sarah Centrella Show.